Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings, divine all blessings. Respect the voodoo, respect the voodoo, whatever you do. All the blessings, all the blessings, come on, come on, come on.
a party to that, critical to that, is creation of sacred space. For indeed, we create sacred space and all things that we do and say and believe and truly and indeed understand. It is the creation of sacred space. It is the foundation of all that we would seek to manifest. That sacred space, the sacredness in which we attribute it to our bodies and to our health and to the amount of water we get and how much nutrients we take in. And of course, that which then manifests in our energy, in our ashe, in our voodoo, if you will, we always start on a plant form of acknowledgement of the ancestors. And they would have me to ask questions today. Indeed, what is the last thing you've done for your ancestors? What indeed is the most recent thing you've done to bring healing, to bring empowerment, bring knowledge and wisdom to and through your ancestors. Indeed, what can you do right now to acknowledge those who came before? Indeed, those most powerful shoulders upon which we all now have this present being and standing. It's a bit arrogant of us Pan-African spiritualists, ATR practitioners, who do root work, conjure and here it, it is blasphemous for us to acknowledge, to not acknowledge the ancestry, the lineage, the bloodline, the history that came before, and what our ancestors had to sacrifice in blood, in sweat, in tears, for you to now stand up and offer love spells. For you to now stand up and offer people an opportunity to hit the lotto, but you're not addressing the root. Root workers, where are root workers at? You're not addressing the root. You're not addressing the cause. You're not addressing the foundation. You're not addressing the infection. And in, indeed, it is something that can be healed, something that can be removed. And the first thing that we can do, the foundational thing that we can do, those who came before, is to acknowledge those ancestors who paved the way, good or bad, right or wrong, left or right, up or down. We love to say there's no good and evil in ATR, which ain't true, by the way, but some of y'all like to say that. We love to say this ain't religion, this is spirit and spirituality. Some of you like to say that, but indeed, your ancestors stand up in your blood. They stand up in your very DNA. They stand up in your very cell. They are present at your birth. Indeed, they are present at your at your transition. Indeed, they are present in every moment in time space in which we move forward in this dimension space that we call Earth and our life and our existence on Earth. So we must must on the ritual calendar day, but every day I house my ancestors. I often get asked, well, how often and how much and how serious are you? What do you acknowledge in you? What have they done for you? That's how much. That's how much. <laughs> so for me, I have a whole room. In fact, I have two. 
just for the ancestors. And they're not limited there, of course. Their footprint can be found all over the house. But indeed, they have their sacred space. We also acknowledge those other great powers that stand up in the day. Iyami, and of course, Omolu, Baba Luoye, we cannot neglect the power and the strength in the antidote that is Baba Luoye, the ability to heal. I read a post yesterday, a news article yesterday, that Nigeria was was fighting to have their government or, or what constitutes the, the administrative uh, 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 governing aspect of their medical industry over there to look at and investigate herbs and the scientific medicinal healing application of herbs. And indeed, I say it all the time. I probably said it yesterday. I'll probably say it again tomorrow. There is no Ifa without voodoo. Voodoo without Ifa. Some of you remember over Obatala to the U.S. came here, sat right there, and said those very words. There is no Ifa without voodoo. There is no voodoo without Ifa. You ask questions of lineage is art. are many key components to what lineage is. <laughs> So it's not a matter of am I Ifa or am I voodoo. It's a matter of are you Ifu, are you Hausa, are you Yoruba, are you Khan, are you Khan. So we acknowledge Orisha because Orisha is so powerful. The Orisha is so loved. The Orisha is so popular. But we acknowledge all the powers that stand in our bloodlines, in our lineage. And so when I say Voodoo, it's indeed voodoo worldwide. It's it's indeed Pan African. It's indeed Trans African. When I say voodoo, some of you say, "Well, we take back certain words, and we need to change the meaning of certain words, and we need to reclaim certain words." I reclaim voodoo for the African born in America. I claim voodoo. If Candable belongs to Brazil, if Kumi belongs to Cuba, if Maria Leonza belongs to uh, Venezuela, voodoo belongs to me. Voodoo belongs to the African born in this America. And, and, and its manifestation. I, I reclaim all of its manifestations, protective, defensive, offensive manifestations. I reclaim them all back to me so that they would be revived, renewed, reutilized in the continuation of liberation and freedom that we continue to fight and and, and get evidence of each and every day. I strive not to talk about the daily news, though I check it. (laughs) I strive not to talk about the weather, though I check it. I'm fully aware of what's going on around us, as I pray many of you would also. And my hope is that we would utilize that strength, that power that's available to us to not only fight, but to heal and transform change. I'm concerned about the transformation. I'm not concerned about the battle. I'm not concerned about the fight. 
I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the transition and our ability to transcend, to reform ourselves individually, collectively, as families, as communities, communities with particular mindsets. So so now we got to pass through the gates of politics and the gates of religion and, and all these other things that cloud our ability sometimes to just see truth and, and humanity for for what it is. I acknowledge you, each and every one of you, individually and collectively, who take the time out of your to be present. I, I know what it takes to be present. I have to do it. <laughs> Often every day, I know what it takes to be present. So I acknowledge you, and, and I'm indeed honored. I wanted to also acknowledge my author. Many of you know not only does Essence Fest typically happen right now over the course of this past weekend, but also the first in every July we acknowledge Mayapha here in the city of I understand Mayapha is acknowledged, commemorated, not all at the same day or the same time everywhere in the nation or even in the world, much like we're looking at uh, some might suggest it. Some might suggest it. I, I know for here, local culture here, you know, these dates tend to roll one into the other. You know, Juneteenth, and then you got your Fourth of July, for whatever its meaning is. You know, and we acknowledge while all of that's going on here, we typically acknowledge my author. And of course, you understand why it didn't happen this year. <laughs> you can thank your friend, this Corona-19, COVID-19, it didn't happen um, this year physically. But indeed, it happens in the spirit realm. It happens somewhere else in the spirit realm. Those of us who thought about it, meditated on it, prayed on it, you know, felt its, its presence within us or its lack of presence within us, we indeed cannot just move forward and, and not acknowledge it. Uh, for my new listeners, for my young listeners, for the beginners, my author is the African Holocaust of enslavement or, or, or Black Holocaust. Our political neologism, O-G-I-S-M-S, neologism, popularized from 1998 into the present and used to describe the history and ongoing effects of atrocities inflicted on African people, particularly when committed by non-Africans, Europeans and Arabs to be exact, specifically in the context of the history of slavery, including the Arab slave trade and the Atlantic slave trade, and argued as continued to the present day through imperialism, colonialism, forms of oppression, like white supremacy and racism, which we're acknowledging today, in the way of today. For example, Marlana Karanga put slavery in the broader context of the Mayapa, suggesting that its effects exceed more physical persecution and legal disenfranchisement, the destruction of human 
possibility involved redefining African humanity to the world, poisoning past, present, and future relationships with others who only know us through the stereotyping and thus damaging the truly human relations among people. And that's indeed how we must, you can Wikipedia that, by the way, Maafa, M-A-A-F-A. And that last part particularly reminds me of PTSD, arms and legs, and how that showed up um, in, in sort of covert way in our culture, in our society. And, and my favorite area to zero in on, of course, spirituality and religion and how that shows up how we view God, how we've been taught to view God and therefore how we've been taught to view ourselves and particularly the blackness of ourselves. Indeed, it is seen as niggardly even in the book, in the magical book. So undoing the idea of blackness as dark to be mind, as dangerous, as wicked, as evil, has all of its roots, all of its tentacles, all of its, I got a friend, family. I don't want to be too specific. <laughs> I got a friend, family, cohort, who believes it's all wicked. Who believes all of this is wicked. Any idea of Africa, any idea of voodoo, any idea of, of Ifa, any idea of indigenous practice and, and, and understanding, to quote specifically, it, it's all wickedness and, and, and doomed to hell. Now, mind you, this person don't even go to church. <laughs> this person probably ain't read more than a, a passage out of the Bible <laughs> in the course of their, you know, many decades of life. So the idea, the notion that it's not me. It's, it doesn't affect me. I'm not a product of it. You know, it's something that, that in itself we need to heal. Because if you grew up here, if you were born and raised here, you're affected. You're infected. Now, once you take conscious effort to do that programming, it shows up everywhere. It's reinforced everywhere with our so-called holidays which I primarily see as, you know, commercial events. The sale, the, the induction that if you don't participate, you're not a regular American, you're not a normal American. Somehow if your house don't have a tree, you know, and Santa Claus and, and, and stuff underneath it, that, that you're not participating. You know? So even holidays, I, I take with a very specific grain of salt. I take time to meditate. I often get quiet during holidays and really think about what does the fourth really mean to the, to the slave? What does the fourth really mean to the descendants thereof? And we like to push it all back into, you know, 400 years ago, you know, without connecting what's happening now what's continued to happen 10 years ago, 20 years ago, et cetera. I am in that class of people, the end date, the period date on slavery. 
and, and enslavement. I've seen it transformed. I've seen it renewed. I've seen it become something else in the context of, of what's happening at any specific time in history. But I, I am not for sure about where to put that point, where to put that ending. And, and therefore, the idea of us conquering white supremacy, conquering racism, you understand COVID-19. You do understand. If people are really going to do the work, this, this just like the season, is not going to pass overnight. It's not going to pass in, in 14 days. It's not going to pass in 90 days. And according to what we're being prepared for now, you know, we're looking for at least a year or more out. And those of us in this room, the erudite in this room, we've been talking about that since March 7th, since March 9th the idea that we, we will be in a whole pattern for at least a year, at least a year. This is the time to do the work. This is the time with spirit. I'm looking at the nighttime sky and what can be seen at night right now in New Orleans. It's just crazy. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and, and even Astrology, you know, we we reduce that down, we water that down to a very basic, limited, you know, construct, you know, often referred to as, as horoscope, but it's a much more complex system of energy than that. And it resonates, you know, with the tones and the notes on the piano. It resonates, you know, with, with the vibrations and the tones that operate throughout humanity that keep us that keep operating what we call reality, understanding that this is all just vibrating light. This is all just vibrating molecules and, and atoms that we've collectively agreed upon as our reality. And so string theory suggests that there's room to play that. There's room to manipulate that a little bit. There's room to pull down and, and to hold on to that which is in our that blessing that you know you can call it an angel if you want to <laughs> that blessing you know and and force it to to come upon us where people get stuck at is doing the work where people get stuck at is they don't want to have to do the work they don't want to have to encroach on studying <laughs> and, and realigning and reorganizing what we think because it requires accepting. It requires getting rid of what's not beneficial. And, and in a society where we're often pressured in your peer group, your family, community, circle, you know, to be and, and look a certain way, this is revolutionary. This is revolutionary. This voodoo that we're now stepping into, that we're now bringing forward for the next hundred years is revolutionary. Understand that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will have a very different connection to their ancestors and to their roots than what we had in the 60s and the 70s, indeed in the 50s and the 40s, indeed before this technology available to us at a, at a price range, you know, and an ease of access that's now available to us. 
Greetings, greetings, everyone. Greetings, um, Chef Bougie. Greetings, beloved. Greetings, Arisha. I hope you checked your email, beloved. I did respond to your Patreon request. Greetings, a neophyte, Welcome, welcome. Keona D. Carter is our moderator. Please do give her all due respect as she helps me to navigate what I might be seeing or not seeing in our live and quickly moving chat box. Let me add her to the stream here. Yes, always the one, the goddess initiative that don't really read, don't really study the, the, the magic. People believe it's their God-given right, <laughs> you know, to sort of police the world with it. Um, and, and, and in this particular, I know who I'm talking about. I, I describe him as family, etc. I know who I'm talking about. Just like you know your friends, you know your family, you, you know your loved ones, you know the people that you grew up with, that you associated with. So when they step into these religious boxes, often it's in that immediate circle that people see what's real and what's not real. Sometimes, however, is that we remain quiet. We indirectly participate, you know, in sort of this truth, people becoming something brand new, you know, magically, overnight, you know, with, with just a little bit of water, you know, and, and prayer. And we're not seeing them then demonstrate that every day where it matters, where it counts, you know, on the ground. Greetings, beloved Kiona. Thank you for showing your face. Greetings, Blessing. See my hair yesterday after my post. See my hair. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it did, but you don't affect Buddha. You know, um, I'm not interested in listening. I'm not interested in denying my truth to anyone. If anybody can accept me, who I walk with, I honor the dead. If they can't accept that, then I don't know what to tell them. Because someone tried to tell me the other day, someone tells me a scripture every day, I don't mind. And it says that they are to honor and obey their master. And that I didn't like it. So I said, no, that's not what I meant. That back in the biblical days, that being a slave was as if a homeless person was offered shelter by someone off the street. And so they were supposed to pay by honoring and obeying what they said. I said, no. I said, no, it's time for me to come on out <laughs> and represent because we don't play it like that. Can you hear me? Um, I can a little bit. Okay. Um. People are in their feelings, people are in their emotions. Um, many are still in denial of, of what I call COVID-19. You know, I have their routine. You know, with these scriptures and, and uh, religious positioning, you know, it's also a cry for acknowledgement, I, I believe, because they often exist in sort of a cocoon. 
They only want to be around people who think like them, like them, uh, understand the world like them. So now that we are in this, you know, unusual scenario, um, now pushed to their extreme in terms of who their peer group is, who they 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 uh, support group, your support And so I think uh, from this particular individual when they're under some kind of and, and they always have this overt religious overtone to it. You might be okay with it, but I particularly don't don't care for that. Uh, I the day that I start sending out voodoo tracks and prophetizing and knocking at your door like the Jehovah Witness, then and only then is it okay for you to do that to me. <laughs> you know, I'm not okay with the bombardment of overt religion particularly when I don't present that type of demonstration myself um, the the uh, the DMs that we're all getting now that are just incessant incessant traps really um, to get viruses on your device or, or to get access to your private Um, so all these DMs and these instant messages are coming through and that's one of the things, one of the tools they use, politics, religion, comedy, to grab your attention. They're even using very creative now. Oh, I've spent all this time creating this post about you. You absolutely see it. You know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it reads like a scam, a spam, a scam to me. So I don't understand why it doesn't read that way to other people. But often they have, you know, the Christian overtone. Overtone. Now we're getting chaotic overtone, and, and, and in many cases, I don't even think these people are real. Fiona, to, to be quite honest, when I double check in a Twitter or in a Facebook feed, you know the profile. I see profiles that haven't been posted on six months, nine months. I, I see profiles that only have one or two of the same exact photo located. You know, here lately, patriotic symbols, flags, golden eagles, you know, and these could very well be these Russian cohorts. These are very well be you know, operatives right here in America that are strongly trying to influence politics. And, and yes, politics, but then it affects people at such deeper levels than just politics. Because it affects how you shop, how you live, what you prepare for, what you worry about, not worry about. So there's all, all the energy attached to all this, you know, posting and media uh, uh, every day. I mean, for the media need to work for a story during normal season, everything is a story now. You know, from race to, to the COVID-19, uh, to, to the behavior of, of our leaders, everything now. So uh, it, it, it's absolutely easy for people who aren't paying attention, who maybe can't do as readily or as quickly as another person, to, to really be deceived right now, to really be beguiled right now. Um, so I I feel it at every level. I feel it. I'm getting maybe four hours of sleep right now. You know, a day while this 
season sort of moves through. Um, and when I'm up, I'm, I'm doing readings, I'm doing consultation, I'm doing the work. Many of you are addressing work. Many of you are addressing your head, you know, right now, which is the right thing to do. And not just addressing the weather of today, but how we can prepare and move forward in there. Uh, if you're counting days, we're already well over, what, 120 days into this. So any ideas you I'm sure have now been adjusted, <laughs> have now shifted a little bit. Any idea of the new normal um, should really be settling in on, on um, right now. So my phone lines are open at area code 845-277-9143, I'm not sure of the quality, so let me know. Yes, keep uh, that God smell. It's that God smell. And, and it's a tough one to break, uh, particularly for someone who's not um, there who's not trying to make it to, you know, they're operating on, quote, unquote, faith, uh, which is what I told, you know, so it ain't supposed to make sense. You, you're just supposed to step into it, you know, and, and believe it for what they say it is. And, yeah, that's show. Uh, let's see. What's that about Marvel? Let me go back. Uh, Marvel Studios can respect it to use it in their movies and TV shows, but we can't respect it to know it's our culture and the missing element to our collective. And, um, I agree with that exactly. on so many levels. So many levels. Uh, so, again, I, I get the individual who suggests that somehow my life isn't real. Somehow what I do isn't real. Yet, you know, the white man's water tastes better. You know, it really goes back to that that mindset. And so there are people who really believe that if you aren't living this American Christian dream, that you're operating in some kind of illusion. If not a delusion. While they struggle through, which I don't get it, you know, if it's working, why isn't it working for you? <laughs> you know, if it's so working, and, and why do you constantly project back at me? And I think it has everything to do with our demonstration. They sit and watch us. They listen to us. They absorb our, our demonstration. They observe our demonstration. You know, and because they can't make that shift, they have to find it to be wicked. And then when your government leaders support that that level of thinking, what is a person with sense to do right now, other than to live your life and to make sure you vote? <laughs> you know, what what else is a sensible person supposed to do right now? You could literally get yourself worked up into a frenzy. If you pay attention too much to it, and what he has to say, and, and what he has to say being then projected into the world. If I had my way, the media would ignore him altogether. We would hear nothing about the president 
unless it came through someone else, some other branch of the government, <laughs> and they printed it. If I code audio list, and of course I don't, I listen to how much of I take in. But man, it's crazy that it's it coming down through other people. And people that we don't respect, y'all better pay attention to the a number of people, and I'm going to say it, black men who voted for Donald Trump. Y'all need to understand, they talk about this invisible group of supporters that, that don't, you know, it's politically incorrect for them to come out in their communities and say, oh, well, I'm a black Republican, or I, I voted for Trump, or, 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 what, or whatnot. We think all the Trump supporters are white. That's that's not true. So those people even are now should be right so some bit of a conflict right now. Because how do you now ignore race? How do you now ignore ethnicity? How do you now ignore disenfranchisement in the environment in which we're existing now? Fiona, who's the two black women? That be at his rallies, that's got got a real popular YouTube channel somewhere. I don't know their name. Our two black sisters. I don't either, but they are some straight up certified poopoos. <laughs> oh my God, when I see them, it's just crazy. I just said diamond and silk. Oh, okay, okay. Diamond. They're like cubic zirconia and polyester. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, the initiative, I like that. Yes, you go into these nail shops, you go to Chinese food restaurants, they have their shrines right there in your face. They have their offices right there in your face. And black love some, you know, and just some of y'all do. You know, and so you think, especially if you live in Chicago, Philly, New York, L.A., often it's up my children understand that also that's way up high. They understand that at a, at a very level. Then they have one that's usually down at the county. I used to feed one, support one, back in the day. Oh, this was back in the day. Um, before Hurricane Katrina, back in the day, I used to be a street vendor. Some of y'all know that. And so I sold instant hand. African jewelry, African statuary, you know, whatever I carry, cart, pull somewhere. And my favorite pop-up spot was the Lion Magazine Street. And so I had a bit of a relationship with that Asian family. And I gifted them the Jade Buddha. I gifted them the Buddha. I gifted them a hematite Buddha. They allowed me to set up there without problem. Eventually, I ran into a problem with Sally Beauty Supply, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I don't support Sally Beauty Supply, and I don't, I would prefer that none of you support Sally Beauty Supply. We'll talk about that on another day. I never have what I want, so I don't support that. Yeah. But what is going on with Kanye? Like, can somebody please, please call in the elders? Because this right here is nothing but a show. 
say that. Oh, Kanye. He's running for president. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's what they say. That's I'm what I heard. Up and come back on because I can't see my face on the screen. I'm. A, I'm. A, I also heard that you know there was an attempt to somehow divide that black vote that I just suggested to you that might be hidden. That might be your brother, your sister, your auntie, your uncle, your cousin, who you think is cool as beans, you know, at the back of barbecue, and they're voting for Trump. You all need to understand that. And they have their reasons for doing so. I can't say that there are reasons that I accept or that I agree with, but I know for a fact that it has happened. And there's a risk that it could indeed happen again if you don't take a stronger position off this coming election. I, I know we say in every election, oh, it's important that you invoke. Uh, it's, it's the most important election ever. We say that I know it every election. But, uh, you know, is that a hard sell this time around? <laughs> Do you all really get why this election is really that important? Uh, four more years of Many of us are not happy with. You know, I'm personally not willing to go into a, a four more years of having them by the pussy. I, I'm just not. I'm just not. <laughs> I, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. YouTube, do what y'all want. You know, but but sense to me, whatever. But I, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And some of the crazy that it is birthing at the grassroots level, black and white, you know, who, who are now having racial triggers strung like a guitar, ethnic triggers, oriented triggers. Strung. I mean, you know, it's almost like he wants chaos. It's almost like he, the orange guy, and, and his cohorts absolutely want chaos. Now, we have to ask ourselves, why? Who gets ready we have? Who, who earns money during the toilet paper debacle? Who made money? Right now, you still can't buy no uh, lights off spray nowhere. You still can buy lights spray anywhere. Something ain't right. And they have it that the truckers are going over to E&G and all customers and the manufacturers and shipping them over and then they sit in a warehouse but they don't make it to the supermarket. Do you tell me that's a coinky thing? And it's a reasoning are they are they still suggesting that all these, you know, truckers are sick or these factory workers are too sick with the coronavirus to is that what they're still saying? Because if that's the when the last time you've heard that TV. I mean, when's the last time you seen the president even do a press conference? It's almost like certain aspects of this you're not being told at all. At all. And so it's only in this platform here, because we have truckers in this platform here. We have people who work in the system who participate on this show that we have this knowledge. But but you're not hearing it on TV. It's not in the five o'clock news. Not on the channels that I've been watching and paying attention to. 
And even when I look at the international news, there's not a whole lot of discussion about the infrastructure and how that's being affected now. That's heard there was going to be a meat shortage. The meat prices were going up. I'm going to say that was, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Not hearing anything except open up and the numbers are getting high. Please, y'all, tell me you're paying attention. We're paying attention to all of us. We're talking about distractions because, um, you know, in May Floyd, uh, George Floyd arrested his room. That, was, that man was sent on a mission. Like, he, like, like when he did that, that was, he was on an assignment to do that as, an, as a distraction. You know, I, I, I've been the same feeling. What other thing, what other event could happen right now? God and himself had to have orchestrated this kind of crossroad where, where you have a family of some of, of our, we have been murdered. Even when Bob was on in office, when did he ever call family and apologize? It is all of a sudden that the Donald calls and speaks with the family? No. No. Yeah, it's hard not to to theorist in the environment of what's happening right now. It's really not. And as I was saying, no God, no Satan could have better orchestrated that we're living in right now. And the one thing that was out to the street in the middle of a pandemic it would be one more black man. This is unique. And, and, and how unique is it? And, and to what degree is it unique because of the pandemic? Uh, I just can't make sense of it. But my spirit my spirit nature just can't let go the idea that there's some kind of consciousness behind these events happening right now at this one point in time and then ultimately having the effects that, that we're still seeing demonstrated. I'm trying to catch up real quick. I, I chime in on that last comment. Uh, like, you know I'm out here. I'm out here dealing with people. Yeah. They are struggling between whether or not they want to wear a mask or not, whether they want to require it to be a mask or not. On top of, is there some sort of orchestration going on? There's behind the scenes pulling the strings. Personally, but just the sheer amount of just not aware and stuck in their own little bubble. About what they believe, is the whole world for some reason. And I'm like, you're not taking anything from the outside. What do you think from somebody else's point of view? Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's fascinating to me personally, but these uh, products that we still need. I'm, I'm right now on the highway. Just last week, there's a spill of masks on the highway that the sheriff's department and the uh, 
construction crews are trying to clean it out hand to get it off the highway as quickly as possible. You said masks? Because masks are just fluttering around all over the place. Masks. Oh, my goodness. The masks that we need just just spread out. I mean, just near a fire. Right near a big home fire. Masks are, are just flailed out all, all over the interstate. No, oh, that, that, that's a side. I'll tell you about that later, about these fires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know where who you have caught is a mess. Um, I need somebody to give us some clarity about the astrological weather right now and, and, and its effect on the diversity of calamities that are coming together um, at this one particular time. It's very unique. Mm where more planets than normal can be seen um, right now in, in the night sky and, and from and from Earth without a whole lot of, you know, fancy fancy equipment. And so there's shifting that's happening right now um, that's opening up uh, uh, veils, if you, if you will, and shutting down others, you know, that absolutely need to be shut down. But people's sense of normality, people's sense of continuity is disrupted. People's sense of, of routine is, is disrupted. So we keep hearing, you know, getting back to our regular routine. It feels like getting back to normal. And there is no normal, people. The normal we thought we had, that we thought we understood, is behind. This is a new normal. And this new normal is still transforming. It's not a day that goes by not grinding up high John Root. There's not a day that goes by mm-hmm. that I don't have to tell Bailey hand. It's not a day that goes by that I'm not acting upon spirit. And and for the person not spiritual, oh man, my heart goes out to you. I, I don't know how you survive this environment without without having something bigger than yourself than to aim to get some sense of clarity from. So you get out here on this road and I put this in the chat. One good thing one thing I love about driving is for one the night sky. You know, all these astrologers and whatnot that are on the internet using charts and everything, but hours looking at how constellations actually move across the sky and, and all these planets. And as I'm driving most of the time I like driving at night just because it's hot it's it, it, desert it's hot. I'm sorry. I can't do it sometimes but um night sky is amazing when you're out here when you're away from the public eye when you're away from all the light pollution by itself you in the you got the, the light pollution you can't see what the night sky is actually doing and now that this virus is took hold of us you got less light pollution you got less smog and whatnot and you're able to see some of this stuff that's actually out here now you got the time to go outside and 
mm-hmm. and actually ponder some of this stuff, go outside and look at some of these constellations. I mean, how many people in your circle can say that they've actually looked at the Milky Way and realized that you can actually look at this thing without needing a telescope? Mm-hmm. It's sitting right here. I watch it go across the night sky every night. Uh, uh, planets coming out. The, the lunar eclipse that happened. As a matter of fact, it was beautiful this morning seeing the, uh, the full moon come up as I'm driving toward the east. So does that big come up? But how many people appreciate seeing that come all the way up to the point in the sky? Mm-hmm. At the time, you're busy. We ain't busy no more. Go look at it. See what planets are in the skies. Look at these constellations. I mean, our ancestors, mind you, I'm going to put this in here, but our ancestors followed the to freedom if they could manage. You don't think they about some stars or anything? Somebody passed knowledge to them about the constellations? You've got to follow some. Well, that ain't changed. It's still in the sky. Mm-hmm. You want to take a road trip, think about a road trip. You should try to go from the south to the north, just trying to use the highways that are associated with the constellations. And don't think your government didn't put those these roads out here. Really they go run a highway to do that. Thing. Mm-hmm. Often through corridor historical in our community, often through neighborhoods mm-hmm. where black people own businesses, own real estate. That is often these highways and these new uh, industrial parks, you know, are being created to sort of literally wipe our history, our footprint off the planet. And it's coming back to that uh, removal from history. And so we see that, you know, still demonstrated in modern times, you know, communities where we struggle to maintain black families, black communities, our generations are, are being built over, gentrified over. Um, Chicago is a big example of, of which I have a connection to Chicago, to this day in, in Chicago. But I think about the destruction of the fact that also existed in very large numbers in these project towers uh, that once, you know, lined uh, the Dan Ryan Expressway, just a truck driver I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. You can't see these buildings anymore because they don't exist anymore. And, and now they are being yep. gentrified. Now they're being, you know, called mixed income communities. But what happened to those people? What happened to the 20,000, 30,000 people Live in those buildings. Where are those people today? And communities, they now, many of them got caught up in the war on drugs. So many of the dads, the husbands, the uncles, the sons, you know, were, were murdered or went to prison, you know, for very long periods of time. Remember now, this is before the legalized marijuana all willy nilly, you know, all over the place. You know, we still have. That are serving time, you know, over over marijuana, but all of these extensions operated to destroy our community and, and destroy our cultural and destroy our places of spiritual and also financial empowerment. 
So my goal, my to create what we find solace in, what we find salvation in, what we find gratitude in, and, and make that continue to work. That is where I am right now during the shutdown. Um, I'm planning for tomorrow. I'm planning for the next day. I'm doing more than just surviving through for the moment. Because whenever we come out of the illusion of this pandemic, you know, whether it's when they find an antidote, whether it's they find some sort of uh, uh, pharmaceutical, financially feasible um, fix for it, we don't know when that illusion of, of ending of this cycle, no more than polio or some of the other things that we, we but we do know that when we do come out of this, when historians start writing and looking back, what were you doing? Where is your footprint? What were you planning for? We don't want to just get bigger and get older and get uglier and you know, all the other natural things that might be happening, you know, right now. We absolutely need to lay foundations for generations to follow. Um, I'm working on a book right now, a published book. Um, it's, it's a bit of a mystery because I don't want to give too much of it away. You know, you got your people out there who will be glad to it. So I, I will never say much about it uh, other than I'm working. The goal in doing so will be to provide a foundation. Unified foundation across African ethnicities, across black ethnic groups in which we all can come together, um, and particularly ancestors. Our ancestors are. Our ancestors. I'm going to hand on. I'm going to hand and drop off the beat so I don't interrupt. Okay. The beautiful triangle of a phone service I'm getting ready to run through right now. Well, we appreciate it, that. It's my, it's not a problem. It, it's coincidental right now. That's why I lose uh, service. Uh, Native American tribe is right on the side of the freeway right here, too. That's in Beaumont. Excuse me? That's in Beaumont, or are you in another area? No, no. That's uh, in between Texas and um, um, uh, New, New Mexico. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. Yeah. I think I have a good idea where you are. A, a general mm-hmm. idea of where you are. It's it, it, general idea. But I'll, I'll go ahead and drop off you. And I'm going to keep on listening as much as I can, but I'm getting ready to dive deep into this little line right now. All is a blessing. All right, now. All is a blessing. Through a change, through a transformation, and and go with it. Are going to be great. I all through the march that there are those that will be welcome because of book plays, song ideas. So many people jumping in, it's slowing things down a little bit. But I, I greet each and every one of you, um, Lola Noble, greetings, beloved. 
Thank you so much for your participation. Life and Divine Journey, thank you so much. You can always go back and check it out in the archive, beloved. You can archive it on, on YouTube or you can archive it on Blog Talk Radio. I invite you all to join me on Blog Talk Radio. Subscribe, follow me on Blog Talk Radio. As well as those of you who are clicking like and showing love and support here um, in this format. Um, somebody always loves the StreamYard show. I don't know how you're doing it. Uh, why you're the only number one that seems to manage to get up there. But I, I appreciate you and I appreciate the, the love and the support. Uh, depending on where you're positioned in, in the world, but I, I come at 12 noon U.S. Central Standard Time every day. And, and often I've been doing two-hour shows, three-hour shows, which has allowed um, God's initiative. Your comment threw me off of what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> yeah, oh, which allows people to sort of come into the show, you know, at their leisure. I'm trying to limit standing at a computer um, for, for three hours every day. Oh, and by the way, if you have an elevated computer, you should. If you want to be healthier, happier, leaner, if you want to take some stress off your body, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to gain weight, you need to stand at your computer. That to your blood circulation and to your nerves. With sitting for long hours at the computer, it's really, really dangerous to do. It's, it's been scientifically documented. Many of you know that one of my adjustments can be one of the best things I've done. And even while you're standing, you could do squats, you know, you can stretch, you can do leg lifts, you can get your steps in. You can get a lot more exercise in, and it's much healthier for the body. Uh, yes, if you didn't know, beloved, I was born in Chicago. I went for years in Chicago as a baby, uh, and then I went back to Chicago in my 20s and my 30s and my 30s. Um, and then I have brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters who have been in Chicago all their life. Um, my cousin, first cousin, second cousin, on both sides of my family, um, paternal and maternal, are in Chicago, between Chicago and, and St. Louis. So people on the south side, I got you know, on the north side of Chicago. Um, yeah, and, and Chicago is, if ever, um, going to be my home, if you will. But New Orleans is where I do my work. Um, New Orleans is where I have my living um, and my being. Um, who I am and what I'm doing would not have been possible in, in Chicago. Uh, I couldn't find the right living scenario in Chicago. And the housing is just so expensive. And then you got that winter, you know, to deal with, you know, Utility bills associated with, you know, it, it was just a lot. Um, I went through the blizzard of 1999. I don't know how old you are. But, yeah, I was there for the blizzard of 1999. And I was it 98 or 99? Right in there. And so I've been in New Orleans ever since. I've been in the South ever since. I followed the ancestors and the 
ancestors brought me home uh, to the South. Yeah, 2020 is a bit of a breakout year. Um, y'all chatting so quickly, I can't even see or address everything quickly enough that's being said. Um, Ria Koruk, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Seattle, <laughs> I have no feelings about Seattle one way or uh, I've driven through there, but I've never spent any time there. Um, and it's not a part of the country that I've ever really wanted to focus on. Um, I lived in Denver, Colorado for three years. Um, that was intense. Culturally, racially, that was intense. Um, I left for Colorado right before they lynched that young Ethiopian man on Capitol Hill um, in downtown Denver, uh, one of the most racist cities I've ever lived in, um, Denver, Colorado. Beautiful place, beautiful place, beautiful bike trails, walking trails, amazing. Um, but you heard of a food desert, it's a cultural desert. In, in Denver, uh, Colorado. Um, I tried Milwaukee for a few months. Whew. I still got a sister and nieces and nephews uh, that live in Milwaukee. So I've had my range of visitations across the country, particularly in my younger years. And so I, I have a great feel culture is, where the people are, where the jobs are at any given uh, place in time, and where the creativity is happening. And so spirit kept directing me back to the south um, and to the deep south. And, and so now, you know, going on 24 years, I, I'm still here. Um, so back, uh, divine journey, 2020 blackout. I need you to get on with us and talk about that a little bit more. Um, I'm not familiar exactly with what you're talking about. I've heard of various programs uh, for, like, for instance, for Fourth of July, but I don't recall seeing any posts of black people wearing all black representing Fourth of July. I didn't see that. Maybe I missed it because I worked through the whole weekend. Um, so if there is a blackout, if that's what you're talking about, and, and that's supporting, yeah, it, it's, 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 you know, it forces us to acknowledge what we don't have, what we don't own, what we don't create, what we don't make, what we don't have control of. The one thing I'm grateful for is my ability to be in control of spirit, <laughs> to be in control of what I believe. To, to be in control of how I demonstrate religion and culture and ethnicity in America. Some of you don't like how I look. Some of you don't like how I dress. This is a conscious choice. I choose not to wear Western attire. I choose not to reinforce your Italian and your French fashions and your American, you know, fashions. I, I choose to reinforce that which reinforces me. I choose to demonstrate and show up in that which, for me, <laughs> who I am. And, and in this present so-called post-racial society, in this present 
you know, awareness of, of white supremacy and racism and, and police because now more than ever, do I choose to do me? Do I choose to style me? Do I choose to represent the ancestors that hold us and defended me? When none of you were there to defend me, there were no black churches, no black organizations to help this run the kid off the street. There were no churches, no black leaders, no black organizations to this runaway kid on the street at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. What no, where were y'all then? And what were y'all doing? And, and check, check the age. A child of the 60s. So, so I've been around. I've seen Nation of Islam. I haven't seen the Ansuru turn into the the, the present day uh, Nuwapus and Nuwapians. I've seen the Moors come and go. I've, I've seen the churches. I've seen the prosperity ministry grow up and create itself. You know, I, I've been there. Seen and we've tried everything except the mother. We returned to everything except the father. We've returned to everything except what is most akin to who we are. And that's what this demonstration is about. It's not just about being African. Because some of you think I should choose. Well, I should choose to be African. I should choose to be American. I should choose to be indigenous. I should choose to be multiracial or, or, or biracial or, 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 or have and that just keeps, you know, the arguments going. I embrace every aspect of who I am. I embrace every aspect of who and what my answers are. But I choose to be black. I choose to be African. I choose to be Buddhist. I choose to be hoodoo. I choose it. Indeed, it gives me the comfort, the support that I need, that I require to move through this experience that we as black people in America are having today. And I'm grateful. I I don't care how you feel about it. I'm grateful. This saved my life. This protected me from becoming a statistic. This set me on a very specific course in my journey, afforded me to pass certain crossroads, to pass over certain creeks, certain land bridges, but also allowed me entryway into a space that I think is our only salvation today. This is our only salvation today. Oh, you don't have to agree, and you can choose to go up the left side of the mountain if you want to. This is our salvation. It has been since it has been since the Amistad. It has been since the time of Marcus Garvey. It has been since the time of the idea of repatriation and going back to something that's more aligned with who we are. It's hard for me to talk about my alpha and then not talk about Back to Africa and the Back to Africa movement. The Back to Africa movement took the view in the 19th century 
that African Americans of African ancestry should return to Africa, not to the homelands of their ancestors, which in many cases were unknown, but to the continent. In general, the movement was an overwhelming failure. Very few free slaves wanted to move to Africa, and the small number that did, under duress, initially faced brutal conditions. As the failure became known in the United States in the 1820s, it spawned and energized the abolitionist movement, the failure of the Back to Africa movement. Liberia and Sierra Leone became independent black countries after Haiti, January 1st, 1804, and became the second and third of the only three countries founded by former U.S. slaves. U.S. ambassador to Liberia was a coveted position. In the 20th century, Marcus Garvey, Orians, and some other African Americans espoused the concept of back Africa or repatriation, but few actually left. Few actually did it. And, and again, I'm grateful for my age. Um, I know some people personally who went to Ethiopia, personally who went to Israel. Some, uh, one in particular went to Israel, had cancer and had to come back to America. Uh, is part of our, our New Orleans community. And may she rest in a room and eventually passed on. So I'm aware of people personally who repatriated. Um, Ghana now espouses an open-door policy to African-Americans, to Africa, and then set up uh, livelihoods, if you will, in, in Ghana. Uh, and again, my question is, if we don't adjust the mindset, whether we're talking about African-Americans, whether we're talking about Ghanaians, if we don't adjust the mindset, then we're only repeating what's already have been done, which was not successful, just in a different location. We gotta address the mindset. The question of where free blacks of American birth should reside was not much discussed by white writers and authors in the 18th century. At the time of the American Revolution, there had been few free blacks anywhere in the country. In 1776, Slavery was legal in all 13 of the British colonies that became the United States in 1776. There was legal slavery in all 13 states. There's your 4th of July. There was a small number of free blacks who worked and lived in uh, various of the colonies. Pressures for ending slavery began small but grew steadily. Various philosophical and religious combinations of it, especially by the Quakers, were published. Slavery became illegal in the UK in 1772 by court decision. You can look at some Somerset versus Stewart and in the British colonies by statute in 1838. In France, Slavery was illegal at least since the 16th century, 
and as part of the French Revolution. It was abolished in French colonies in 1794, although it was restored from 1802 to 1848. Starting in 1791, the slaves of St. Dominique, we now know as Dominican Republic in Haiti, revolted, gaining their freedom established the free black country of Haiti. Starting with Pennsylvania and Massachusetts in 1780, slavery was gradually abolished in all of the northern states, although this did not mean that existing slaves all free. Vermont, which at the time was not part of the United States, abolished slavery in 1777. By the 1850s, census, there are no slaves in the free states. There are still hundreds in the 1840 census and millions in the South. In the South, sometimes influenced by appeals from preachers, abolitionism in the United States had a strong religious component. Some individuals freed their slaves or left in their wills instructions to free them upon the death of of the owner, of the masters. The number of free blacks in the United States skyrocketed, and the question of what to do with them steadily grew in importance. Even when free, most were not citizens with no legal rights, as the Dred Scott decision made clear, usually seen as a racially inferior, few believed them a viable or even a possible part of American society. We were prohibited from living in some areas, and there were there was legal discrimination that is considered astounding under today's uh, conditions. Black passengers on riverboats were not allowed in the captain, but had to stay on deck, whatever the weather was. In Florida, each free black man had to have a white man who could sued for the Negroes' misdeeds, if any, since blacks could neither sue nor be sued. The Quaker, Zephaniah Kingsley, who believed in the amalgamation of races, was desirable, was forced to leave the country of Haiti. In the South, free blacks who could not learn to read or write often in touch with abolitionist writings. The slave owners who controlled those states saw the free blacks as a threat to the stability of their economy and society and made no secret of the desire to get rid of them. So now you have a new free slave problem. And Faircom would suggest we still have a, a free black problem in America. Most of the African American population freed people seeking opportunity. Many Southern free blacks migrated to the industrial North, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, to seek employment, while others moved to surrounding Southern states, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, the Carolinas. Until this day, our numbers are still highest in the Deep South, numbers still highest in the Southern states. Our progress was met with hostility, as many whites were not used to sharing space with blacks 
in context outside of shadow slavery. Many did not believe that free Africans had a place in America. In the North, many whites believed that blacks could not achieve equality in the United States and therefore pushed for their immigration to Africa. So most had been born in the U.S. and had never seen Africa. Such sentiment was not exclusive to Northerners. One proponent of colonization movement, Simon Parker of Hampshire County, Virginia, was quoted as having said, I'm not willing that the man or any of my blacks should ever be free to remain in the United States. I'm opposed to slavery and was opposed to freeing blacks to stay in our country. And sincerely hope that the time is approaching when our land shall be freed or rid of them. We swept the free states in waves, usually in urban areas where there had been recent immigration of blacks from the south. The height of these riots was in 1819, with 25 riots recorded, resulting in many industries, injuries and fatalities. Although riots continued up until the 1830s, the Back Africa movement was seen as the solution to these problems by both groups and more support from the white population than from the black population sent us back to Africa. Blacks often viewed the project going back to Africa with skepticism, particularly among middle-class blacks. Feared that the colonization movement was deployed to deport free African-Americans to restrict their efforts against slavery. Shortly after the foundation of the American Colonization Society, 3,000 free blacks gathered in a church in Philadelphia and issued forth a declaration stating that we will never separate ourselves voluntarily from the slave population of the country. Similarly, black leaders such as James Fortin, who had previously supported the colonization movement, changed their minds as a result of widespread black resistance to the idea. Religious motivation for colonization what was called the Great Awakening in which America was swept by a wave of religious fervor, many enslaved African Americans converted to Christianity. At the same time, many religious people in America struggled to reconcile slavery with their so-called Catholic and Christian beliefs. When the enslaved population of America was mostly Muslim or practiced indigenous African religion, slavery was substantiated on Christian evangelical grounds. We were heathens. Therefore, we deserved enslavement in order to expose us to Christianity. That, that, was, that was the belief. That was the understanding behind that. At the same time, many religious people in America were struggling to reconcile against slavery Christian beliefs. Many Black Muslims, black Africans who who practice indigenous traditions uh, were still in conflict at odds with abolitionists who were using Christianity to sort of humanize us, if you will, in, in the presence of, of 